everybody, it's Kai Rizdal, a brand new and kind of special, actually, episode of the Corner Office Podcast. I am in an airplane hangar not far from LAX, the Los Angeles International Airport, honestly, where Ford Motor Company is about to officially show off an all-electric Mustang SUV they are calling the Mach-E. The launch of this car and using the Mustang to do it is a big deal. It's part of a strategy around electrics from the new-ish CEO of Ford, Jim Hackett. He's been here since 2017. Before that, had a career running Steelcase, the office furniture company. And now he is today's guest, talking about electrics and trade and a whole bunch of other things. First, though, a look at the car. This is our brand new Mach-E. And, uh, Kai, this is a labor of love right now inside of the company because we had an original idea. We tore it up. And we started... You had, a, you had an original idea for a, for a Mustang electric no, vehicle? No, no, no. It was the first electric vehicle got notion. It. Yep. And... Uh, I've got a colleague in Jim Farley, and I went and looked at it with him. I said, it's not good enough, and he agreed, and he came back with the inspiration to make it part of the Mustang family. So that's a gutsy move, right? Because one messes with the Mustang at one's peril. It's actually phrased by me as you're messing with the heart of the company. Yeah, no joke. And uh, so the diligence we put into it and the care is extraordinary. In fact, it had to earn this badge. It didn't get it right away. So let's look at this car here for a minute. You can look at the front, and it's pretty clearly sports car-ish, Mustang-y, right? But then you get to the back, and it's a little SUV, a little crossover, a little hatchback-y. Tell me about the design theory here. Well, the notion, see, with electrification is because all the powertrain's underneath, you get a lot more interior room. So we're able, because of that, to actually slant this backwards, which yeah. changes the whole feel from a sporty standpoint. I'm going to open the back door here. Let's hope and, I get that right. Okay. Yeah, and so you get tremendous amount of room when you're in the back of this. Yeah. Um, remember, by the way, this is going to be sold in a lot of countries in addition to the United yep. States. Yep. So this, would, this, is, this is going to be a sports car with room, which is going to really attract a lot of attention. Am I overstating the case if I say this is the future of the company? I think we've got a lot of great things going, but I, let's just say I'm taking it as serious as anything that I've got on my plate right now. So I'm really confident that we've got this right. Uh, the tests have, with uh, customers have gone better than we thought. We've now had people driving it, yeah. and we're getting an extraordinary kind of uh, comment about it. So I'm, I'm, I think we're in the right spot. But... Because we're taking reservations, we get to tell pretty yeah. quickly if customers yeah. love this. 500 bucks gets you a spot in line to get this car? Yeah, which is really just a gesture that you're serious about it yeah. because there's going to be uh, a lot of production the first year, but uh, we have a limited battery supply for the first year. Batteries are always the problem. And it's not that we won't be able to get as many as we want, yeah. so you, you have a balance here because if you buy them, you have to take them, right? right. even if you haven't sold the vehicle. So that's... That's the business side of it. But if you want to get one of these vehicles, you'll have a good shot at getting one. Uh, my wife and I, as it happens, are in the mood model for, in the market rather for a new car. Uh, I don't know if this is it, but if I've got to wait a year, is that a problem for you? Well, you know, this is what's happened in our lifetime is people see new ideas that have this kind of technology, this kind of capability. They are willing to wait. Uh, they're willing to have... The certainty of when it comes help them plan their transition. I've get I've I've been getting uh, 
emails from people that, that I've known for years, and yeah. they go, Jim, you know, we're ready to trade. When's this thing coming out? Really? Yeah. So, so next fall, right? About this time next year? Yeah, right. late next year, yeah. All right. Now, Kai, this is the GT version. All right, we're looking which, at the back here. Yeah, uh, which is an incredible machine. This is going to have, the Mach-E is going to have all kinds of performance. This is one step. Like a zillion miles an hour? Bill says, go like hell. <laughs> Bill Ford? Bill Ford your, says your it, it, better go like go, it, better go, it better go like uh, hell. I, so we're saying zero to 60 in three seconds wow. with this. Do you need that? Well, right. you know, the key in, in, in having that is it handles really well because the way the seats cup you in the GT yeah. and the way the center of gravity with the battery, the way it's placed in the vehicle, you're not going to get in trouble. <laughs> Except by the local constabulary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you done it zero to 60 in three seconds? I have not driven uh, this because tonight is the first time that we're putting it out in front of the public. So I've been in the Mach-E yeah. test vehicles, but I've not driven a GT yet. Right. But i got to tell you, that'll be on my list of things <laughs> I want. I'm told by people who study you and this company that this car is 100% Jim Hackett. That you're the guy who said, this is what we need, and I'm going to drive the company forward with this car. That would be an exaggeration because I listen. I'm a, I am such a believer in the humility of the power of a team, and so I had uh, I'm on the shoulder of car giants here. You know, when I came into the company, I came for a reason to help the company see the future of intelligent vehicles and intelligent environment. So this actually became a perfect placeholder for the new way I wanted us to work, uh, which is agile teams. We created team medicine. With an inspiration around... I'm sorry, Team Edison? Team Edison. Gotcha. Yeah, because Thomas Edison and Henry Ford were really close. I know. Actually, Henry worked for Thomas. Their first idea together was an electric vehicle. Wow. And they they opted... So it it took you 100-something years to get it right, Jim. No pressure. Yeah, well, we like to say we were first. Uh, Um, But the market for this is right now, Kai, because I think customers have been seeing electrification as an important social statement. But this is about fun to drive and a kind of statement of the kind of image that people want to be associated with. So, so let's go this way because I know more people want to get their hands on this car. But, but while we're walking, let me ask you this question. Uh, and it closes nicely. It sounds good. Um, you have said, in fact, I think you wrote in a letter uh, to your company that 2018 was a mediocre year. You're, you're, you're grimacing a little bit. Well, it's because it was painful to admit, which is really important that you do that, when, you, when you're not where you want to be. And, yeah. and it, like, I really believe that we got great people at Ford Motor Company, so I wanted them to understand that we've got to know what great is, yeah. you know, um, and this was not a great year, but we have great plans and we have great ideas, and we can reach the greatness that we've set out to hit. Who are you competing against with this car? Well, in a way, the world will see it as a Tesla kind of competitive yeah, product. for sure. And, you know, we're sitting in an area where Tesla had, had Tesla's a lot of... Tesla's literally right next door. I mean, you yeah. go out of this hangar and you take a right and Tesla's there. Had a lot of success. I, I SpaceX get, is there, sorry. I get to joke that, you know, I compete with a rocket scientist every day. He's an incredibly thoughtful man and... The thing that you have to understand about Ford is we build an F-150 every 53 seconds. Yeah, the, the most popular truck in America, Which right? is the, in, the world. in the world. This is the number one vehicle made in the world. 
And so the company has a sense of purpose and capability that it's now marrying with electrification. So the world's not seen a, a competitor like us in this realm. So I'm really optimistic that what we will be doing is offering customers who've not thought about electrification, even from Tesla, the opportunity to switch to something like this. Tesla's big challenge, of course, has been uh, the manufacture and delivery of the Model 3, right? The affordable, we're going to get electric cars uh, to everybody. Um, you walk in the door with a huge advantage in, in making and delivering automobiles. Uh, I wonder how competitive you are on price point. What's this thing going to cost me? Maybe not the GT, but you know, if I need to drive my family around, what's well, it going to cost me? This is around forty-three thousand five hundred, but then you're going to get a credit of seventy-five hundred dollars for the vehicle. So this is going to put you in the mid-thirties range. Now I'm talking about the Mach E. Yeah. The GT. Yep. We haven't yeah, released fine. the pricing on that yet. But, um, you know, that's going to be very attractive to a lot of buyers. I, I was interested to see in some of your publicity materials, you point out the $7,500 tax credit no longer available to General Motors and Tesla customers. You're no dope. Well, you know, I think these are enablers that the social kind of commitment that we've made to being carbon neutral in, in 12 years from where we are now. Yeah. I really credit my partner, Bill Ford, and the two of us have st stood really tall. It's controversial. And yet, people in California are really, you know, excited about yeah. the position that Ford Motor Company's taken. Bill's been really outspoken, actually, about this for a number of years. Was he riding you pretty hard? Well, I actually, at Steelcase, where I was CEO yeah. for 20 years, we actually had a common interest. I thought he was a hero in the way that he could see an industrial company being environmentally responsible. I was doing the same thing at Steelcase. We actually had a common uh, supplier in Bill McDonough, who's an eco-architect huh. of fame. So I actually think there's, you, there's no glimmer of light between the two of us about differences here. We're totally aligned. But here's the cool thing, is that we have a world in the future where you can have lots of choice, including gasoline, and have a, a, a carbon neutral world. That's a new idea. Are, are you too late? Against whose clock? Well, I, I would say humanities, but, but really the industries. I see, I see. Well, I would never look at it that way. You know, it's a zero-sum game in the sense that everything the world does to make our environment better right now is going to pay huge dividends. So the momentum that we can bring to the party, which we have in this recent endorsement of CARB standards... Yeah. As the, 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 the California Air uh, Resources Board, right? Yeah, and you stood with California in its new, uh, in sticking to its standards yeah. when the Trump administration wants to not. Yeah, Mary Nichols, I think, has the been... The secretary out here, yeah. Yeah, she, she, she's trying to work with autom automotive manufacturers. Just a quick tutorial here. There was a commitment for auto manufacturers to raise their miles per gallon, right? And they, you had to be on a curve or a line to make that. Yeah. And there was an agreement to do a review of it at this time, because if it was too difficult, a commitment was going to be made to, to either alter the curve or take new tactics. I'll give you a quick one. All the vehicles, in, including Ford and competitors, have start-stop mechanisms. That improves uh, fuel efficiency tremendously. That thing where they turn off at a traffic yeah. light. Yeah. Those kinds of things never got credit in the standard and we all said we should we should include those because they're real but what's happened since that was all contemplated this is the reason you should review it the intelligence of the vehicles you lose more fuel efficiency being stuck in traffic than you do in your drive 
So we're working in parallel on a concept called the transportation operating system, the notion that we can coordinate traffic. That's how we, in a decade, we have enough intelligence to make traffic more responsive to people's commutes. Your predecessor, Mark Fields, uh, made much of the fact that he was in the process of turning this into a mobility company. Uh, you now are turning it to electrics. Is that the same thing in some way? Well, Mark was a really good guy. In fact, he, he led the company in some cool areas, like the Argo investment that was the smart driving system. I think when I arrived, I was trying to get the focal length a little further out and work back from that. I just kind of described part of the challenge is, in our lifetime, we've never had this much data in our hands about the way a vehicle is going to operate. So think of these constantly pulsing information to each other, cars to each other, cars to cities, cars to owners. What can we do with that data? So we've framed that this S-curve, it's a new curve of competition, is smart vehicles for a smart world. So that was, that was my kind of statement after a year of working hard on where we were going to go. Who do you want to buy this car? The interesting thing is, I just asked a question in a meeting about who will buy this vehicle. The research shows, let's talk gender for example. I have an instinct that women are gonna love this vehicle amongst other choices they have. You're making a multi-billion dollar bet on an instinct? Well, there's data that proves there, there's a lot of equity in the choices, but okay. I, I'm, I, I, I bet, I never bet money, but I will bet, I will bet you're, you're, just, you're just betting the company, I bet okay. milkshakes All right. <laughs> with my colleagues and say, I bet you we're going to find an endorsement from women because here's the cool thing. The vehicle handles so well, they get all the sportiness, they have the fun, and the utility performance is unquestioned. So these are people that are going to love the vehicle. Uh, we, we have a great handle on the kind of people that love the Mustang badge. That's mm-hmm. another word mm-hmm. for the pony. Yeah, of course. There's, there's an identity with having that. And these are people in you know their daily lives are... Or the, well, let's just say that the Mustang's a way for them to be more expressive. They like to leave the, the normalcy and get into that car, and they become hyper cool. For, I, I will just share that the first car I ever really wanted was a 1965 Mustang convertible, red with a white top. Never got it. Well, Never got it. I have uh, the GT350, which was car of the year three years ago. And I've ordered the GT500. Now, everyone listening needs to know the CEO of Ford has to pay for the vehicle, just like everyone else. So, um, in fact, I I have a rule that I won't stand in front of customers. I want to wait until I can get mine uh, on on a schedule. But after I've driven them with the job I've had, I've become a huge convert. I wasn't into sports cars because I'm a big guy. Yeah, you don't look like a sports car kind of guy. And this fits me really well. In fact, this new one fits me the best of anything I've been in. Uh, Pull back for me, and let's talk big picture, global car industry, the competitive environment, and uh, frankly, global trade. You said a year ago that the steel and aluminum tariffs had cost your company a billion dollars. Is it now two billion and counting? Over two to three years, it, it, it got over a billion seven, and because uh, there was some relief. But yeah. I think the bigger principle that I've been public about is that trade, for it to work, it requires equilibrium. If you look up the definition of that, it's two opposing forces 
that balance each other. So the notion of us having two countries like China and the U.S. being in opposition about trade is not depressing. We've got to agree on the way we work together. That equilibrium will cause the stock market to boom because there's a lot of investment that's going to go back and forth. And I believe our president actually did a good job of making it clear of what we need from our side. I don't think there's any uh, dismissiveness now coming from the other side. And so that's a good thing. But I think it's time for us to bring it to conclusion. Do you believe the president has it in him to do that? I think there's lots of progress that's been made in the trade uh, agreements with China. I get to hear from both sides. I was just on CCTV in China, and so they have high expectations about uh, a brand like Ford. They really want a Midwestern value-centered company to be successful in China. Where are you going to make this thing, by the way? Well, our Mustangs at large are made in Flat Rock, Michigan. We produce over 100,000 a year there. This vehicle will be down in the center of Mexico. It was always the place. I I can hear the president on the phone right now. Yeah, but this this is a cool trade because we didn't lose any jobs for this to happen uh, because we had capacity sitting there. We can't have idle plants. Right. And we just signed a UAW agreement where we made a bigger commitment for investment in the United States. So they've, they've kind of, they're very happy with us. Okay. Uh, European car tariffs, you still worried about that? European car tariffs? Yeah. That's an interesting question. I actually was at the, the White House meeting when it was first introduced that there needed to be a balance. This is back to the equilibrium. And I think that this uh, probably is not as far along in examination as the China situation is, yeah. so I don't know yet. I want to dig into that equilibrium thing for a minute okay. because it's an interesting concept. Uh, and and yet I think a lot of people out there would say that what has happened is that the president has put global trade into disequilibrium. He has disrupted something that, uh, while not ideal, had some measure of balance to it. Um, how do we recover from this? Well, I think, you know, I don't want to speak for the president of the United States, but let me just suggest there's a large population of business people who agree with him that we needed to be more assertive about what America needed in this burgeoning relationship with China. It's just grown in an extraordinary way, unlike any time in history. There's never been an emergent country grow to the GDP that China has ever in history. So this was bound to happen. So I think my endorsement was if there's a time to have a, a decisions about it and a discussion, this was, this was good. It's just that it needs to get resolved. Do you think the American economy is fundamentally strong and that's why the president is, is uh, um, able to prosecute this trade war? Well, I think he's had a hand in helping its strength. I think the, the kind of optimism he brought for business investment, the kind of the way he reduced some of, uh, some of the legislation that was kind of hampering the growth of the GDP, uh, I think that's all uh, fared well. You know, the car industry's had a great five-year run here, and uh, you'd have to say that the president was sitting near that. There's also, I think, a tighter handle on American workers and their their uh, their their future. There's an obligation. I feel it as because I ran another company yeah. where you've got to be highly considerate of making sure you're taking care of that workforce in your global footprint decisions. Now, the, the tipping point here is we can't make everything in America because this new vehicle 
is going to be sold around the world. So you, you actually need the benefit of different kinds of suppliers to average your costs down. But your net employment, if it grows, it's good for everybody. And that's what's happening. Our net employment in the United States has grown in the last five years. What happens if this car doesn't hit? You're talking to a guy <laughs> that's, who... Does, that's a long silence. From well, Jamaica you know, right it's there. the kind of thing I tell people, you know, don't... Not you, Kai, but yeah. I, in the company, I said, I wouldn't want to be taken for granted because I'm known as a pretty even-tempered guy. I really am genuinely that way. My wife would say... When I lose my temper, you got to get out of the house, but it's very infrequent. I'm really competitive, so I just don't see losing on this score. I think that whatever we hear from our customers, we've designed this so we can make adaptations, the way the software inside the vehicle can help its performance. So I don't, I don't feel that at all. I had a conversation with Alan Mulally, one of your predecessors, a number of years ago, uh, and uh, we were talking about who got the final decision. Who, you know, and we were talking about like, like taillight design or something. And he looked at me like I had three heads and he said, I get to decide, of course. Is that still the way it is? I don't run the company that way. I, I got to tell you because I believe that it's, a, you got, and, and this is an interview that you could do every day with the people that work in the company. They actually are looking for more and more empowerment. They want to get less bureaucracy. They don't want things to go all the way to the top of the company. Alan was a fantastic CEO, by the way. He, he, got, he bridled the energy of the company and got him through a tough time. But for us to compete at the speed and the complexity of what the world's going to face, uh, team medicine was more a metaphor for what uh, I want. Now, I can't just be so passive, though. Like, I went in and said, this has got to be better, but I got experts that can make it better. So I can be the sponsor, the advocate. But the real point of view owners, I have people around me that are making those decisions. For example, you see the taillight on this vehicle? Yeah. I remember thinking, that's really cool. They still made modifications to it, and I think they've made it better and better by being attentive to it. I'm, I'm smiling just because I wasn't wild about the rear end of this car, but that's, <laughs> you know, that's me. Um, how much longer are you going to be around at this company? Well, that's the kind of question that I have to first talk to Kathy Hackett, my bride of 43 years. Yeah. And uh, when Bill asked me to do this, I, you know, I, was, I had retired. I, I, had a, I had a gig as a athletic director at Michigan for I 18 know. months with Jim Harbaugh, which I loved. And I wasn't expecting this, but here's the deal. I fell in love with the company. When you fall in love with something, you don't want to leave it. I have a lot of work to do, so I'm, I'm just really committed. And I, there's no real coasting or back nine kind of talk because yeah. I've got a lot to do. Since you brought up uh, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, uh, this is not my idea. Bridget Botter, my producer, came up with it. She's a Michigan woman, and, and I'm going to roll with it, and, and we're going to see what you say. Her theory is that much like you finding or getting Jim Harbaugh to Michigan to coach football when you were the interim athletic director, you have a knack for figuring out pe what people want, getting them excited about it, and then getting it to them. Does that apply with this car? Well, regarding Jim Harbaugh, i got to share that I got to be, it's the most humbling thing, he picks an honorary captain for every game. You actually go out for the coin toss. So Michigan, Michigan State, uh, I was on the field. Uh, this weekend, I know. I was on the field yesterday and then flew out here late last night. And so I got to spend time with him on Friday. And his maturity and the way he's evolved and the kind of stress that people want to put on a position like that I just love him even more. I mean, he's really, really talented football coach. Um, 
And I will tell you, the competitive part of me, I love to win so much, I can see inspiring, winning kinds of things. So, heck yes, this vehicle is the kind of thing that if you're in other companies and you see what's coming, you're having meetings going, how are we going to defend some of our turf? Mustang has risen to be the number one sports car in the world. And that's really something to build on. Jim Hackett, thanks a lot. Appreciate your time, sir. Thank you, Kai, for the coverage. So there you go. That's it. My interview with Jim Hackett, the CEO of Ford Motor Company. Thanks for listening. If you thought this was a good interview, interesting. If you liked it, let us know. Write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find us, which is all that counts in podcasts, as you know. This episode of the Corner Office Podcast was produced by Bridget Bonner. Marketplace is produced by Nancy Fargali. Star Nieves is the Executive Director of On Demand. Deborah Clark is the Senior Vice President and General Manager. I'm Kai Rizdal. Another episode in a couple of weeks.